Hi, good evening, everyone, and a belated Happy New Year, Stola and Luna. Um, so yeah, so we decided to start a year about cleanse. Colin, I think uh, we were thinking about what to do, what to discuss. And then we settled on cleansing because I think it seems to be a theme that a lot of people were, or, or, or kind of almost a little bit of ritual sometimes who get into in this period of time. So yeah, what do you think about cleansing? Well, what I find quite interesting is the word toxic, which we've used in this as well, is being banded around everywhere at the moment, especially like you say, this time of year. And but when do we become so toxic that we actually need a cleanse? And for me, it sort of brings up this idea of what does toxic actually mean? Is it that the cause and effect of physical, are they chemical, are they material? Is it that what's happening, is it is it a mental or emotional or a psychological thing? Is it physical in origin and then it actually has psychological knock-on effects? Or is it that it's psychological that then has physical effects? Or is it all of the above? You know, so me, when I'm sort of, you know, you pose a question to me about detox and cleansing, I'm starting to sort of think, well, is it a kind of cleanse? You know, I've, I've worked with many people all over the world and, you know, some people you kind of, you talk to and they've been out and they've been on a complete and utter sort of party 24 hour binge at some place. And, they say, you know, I detox by, you know, afterwards I go after that binge, I go and have a vitamin, you know, vitamin drip and all's well. And, and I'm detoxed from the whole thing. Or is it that actually what's happening is that someone's personality is kind under attack and they'd rather than work on what's being said and work it through with someone else, that they use the idea of cleanse to detox people out of their life what are we talking about with regard to this? Do you see what I mean? So I, I'm kind of interested in this because is it just physical or is it that there's a lot more going on with this? Where How do we get to such a, a place where we have to detox? I mean, what is going with it? Where's, where's the kind of edge? Do you know what I mean? Where's the edge with regard to detox and with regard to cleanse? Does that make any sense? Yeah, I, I love it because I think you already outlined the... Um... Two side that I find interesting about whole, the whole theme of cleanse and, as you said, maybe detox, detoxification as well. Because mm. on one side, it seems to be like a trendy thing that, as I was researching, literally quite a few like books or sometimes even paper and things like that have said over the last decade or so, it seems to be the more chic version of a diet. You know, it's, mm. some, it suggests also something slightly stronger, slightly shorter period of time, but hopefully you get quicker results of it. But on the other hand, if you really, if I really think about the term cleanse or where it comes from cleaning is to really about ridding of purity, impurity by mm. like extreme washing or expelling, imprisoning or something like that to kind of really, really purge the system of what may be, as you said, toxic to the system is actually quite a medical term. And because we, we use things like dialysis in the med medical world for um, kidney problems where, you know, the body doesn't actually remove all the impurities or toxin from the body. And then you have to do extra medical procedures to help. And there are other things like, um, as I was doing this, I was having a chat with one of my clients and he suggested actually chemotherapy itself can be seen as a cleanse as well. 
because again, it's helped the body to kind of rid of certain things that is quite harmful and toxic to the body. And in chemotherapy case, most of the time it's about cancer cell or some sort of infection as well. So it's a really strong, strong word. And I think it's just interesting how it's kind of coming into this um, a modern day culture where it's a little bit more trendy and almost a little bit less medicalized. So it just, I, I love the words used with regard to impurities, the words purge. Um, and also it's a series of procedures that actually come to help. But I also think to put it into context by looking at the situation of something like chemotherapy and cancer to actually say that that is in a cleanse is a cleanse relative to the situation that someone is in because normally you'd look at actually chemotherapy creating a lot of toxicity within a body and if you imagine what's happening with that and the procedures that someone has to go through afterwards in order to create a more harmony within their body do you see what I mean? So it's almost that you've got the cleanse being applied to the situation that actually the person is going through. And I think this is actually spot on with regard to how yoga perceives it as well, because there are a number of different techniques within yoga school and also within Ayurveda as well, but also within the psychological aspect of yoga too, which look at all of this based on the context of the situation. So it actually means that what a procedure is so if we break it into several areas let's take it into sort of three or four areas one is firstly you need to have some symptoms in order to cleanse don't you you need to, there needs to actually be some symptoms in place so impurities so if we give an idea of impurities from a physical perspective we need to have symptoms so also with regard to psychology and um, psychological symptoms as well there needs to be these sort of symptoms or signs in place that we need to have a cleanse that's going in and then we also need to understand what the causes are. So with regard to your example, with regard to cancer and chemotherapy, we've got some symptoms. We've got causes of those things. But we also need to understand how we're going to apply the different tools and techniques, because actually each different person will need to actually go through a different cleansing process based on the toxicity that's within them. And that's what I think is quite interesting. And also it means that the pathway that they take is going to be different as well. And what we each of us qualify as being toxic is going to be very different too. And whether that toxicity is with regard to, let's say, a genuine toxicity in the system where there are symptoms which are in place, or if it's a relationship toxicity, which is to, with regard to our patterns that are in place, it's actually a different process. But still, we have the same concepts and the same ideas, which is that we have signs, we have symptoms. We've got these impurities that are there. We've got the expression that's going on. We're looking at what the causes are. We're also beginning to understand just a little bit more about what tools we can actually use to put into the system and also what's possible as well, because that is the other thing, because is it that we are actually cleansing or is it that actually we're reinforcing all the stuff that's actually there. I mean, why are we doing cleanses? What's the what's the what's the big fad with regard to cleanses? Why why is it that every January, after we've stuffed ourselves silly, drunk, and so much that you wouldn't believe, gained enough weight that you you know people kind of go, hey, you look very good, you look healthy, you know that kind of thing where people look at you and they go, they go, look at you, you look healthy, and you go, you're right. I know what you mean by that. Um, there's this side of it. But then for me, there's the very interesting side. And for me, the very interesting side is a lot of the conditions that you come across and I come across, which are 
there's something wrong within the system. The system's expressing itself in particular ways, whether that's hiccups after eating, whether it's bloating or cramps, whether it's, you know, there's, there's something that is expressing itself that is telling us not just in January that we need to cleanse, but actually that there is toxicity present within the system. Does that make sense? So for me, I'd like to start at the signs and the symptoms and just kind of begin to understand a little bit more about, you know, what is going on? How can someone, how can someone identify that rather than just a kind of like January, I need to cleanse, like I'll do a dry January. That's what I'll do. You know, I'm going to give up alcohol. And actually, does that do what we need it to do? Or is it actually there's something deeper than this? And I think how you talked about toxin itself is very interesting because you when you talk about the chemotherapy actually you introduce something that's actually rather toxic to the body and then later on then you have to go for another process where what? the body almost need to reachieve uh, homeostasis or rebalancing afterward and that's the, that's one of the precise things that i have looked into a lot of the cleanse regime that is available out there is actually a lot of the time what we're doing to the body through these regimes can be itself quite toxic or potentially harmful to the body too but it's about the moderation of it and how you use it um and i may share some personal experience of one of the fast or cleanse that i've had done in the past and what's the effect because again i'm coming back to the chemist definition like anything in the world any substance that you ingest in the world can be a is a drug and the toxicity to the body essentially depends on the dosage so i keep coming back to the example of water because water itself is a very very good cleanse um regime because it is is a solvent a lot of things that were in the body is water-based uh, water soluble so if you have a, um, enough of water it will help your kidney to flush everything out by you know means of urine sometimes by the means of you breathing out as well as sweating as well and obviously there's some water in the from feces and things like that from the bowel but if you have too much water you can go into water poisoning and that is that is one of the you know first class example of how dosage really 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 matters because I think all these regimes trying to help the body to tap into the ability to how it naturally cleanse because as we said a few times already like the liver is a really really good metabolic organ in the body which really helps us to process a lot of the things that we take in maybe it's um, our food but also sometimes something that's slightly more toxic such as the drugs that we take um, prescribed or recreational uh, can be anything you know these non-specific toxins that we want to rid our body of from non-organic food environmental pollutions other chemical uh, contaminants like petrols preservatives so on and so forth and pollutants and allergens and then okay. the body excretes all these metabolized kind of toxin via the means of the urine feces sweating and our breath okay. so there's there are just this um mechanism in place and it's how then we kind of tap into it because a lot of the regimes I look into they talk about as you said the symptoms that they want to resolve by cleansing is to lose weight usually it seems to be the one on the big one improving energy relieving from constipation resolving headaches muscle aches fatigue or I guess in general sense as well there's a sense of mental well-being that you can come from it and as you said I think especially in the western culture and the culture that we live in 
um, after the Christmas period, maybe you know, a few months leading into um, the new year, where it's the winter month, we want to eat naturally, want to eat more heavy food, like heartier food. Actually, it make us feeling a little bit heavier, and we want to kind of start coming into the new year, starting to feel a little bit lighter, or maybe um, to stop us from indulging further, which is the habit that we might have gained. But I also look into my other culture was Chinese culture where we don't we do a sort of cleanse but not so much in a food sense so um as I've said this uh, it was just Lunar New Year or Chinese New Year not so long ago it was literally last week so three days before um the Chinese New Year is usually the cleansing day we do like a decluttering of the house we clean everything we dust every corner every cupboard take out all the plates, take out everything from the cupboard and clean everything. It's a more of a, it's still very, very physical in terms of living space. But at the same time, I think it's quite a psychological yeah. cleanse where you want to review what has happened in the year. You want to cleanse your home, your living space. It's quite family activity as well, kind of removing away, uh, removing anything that was old and no longer necessary and hopefully keep it only things that is good in your life. And, and that in itself, I think, is quite an interesting cleanse um, because we don't really do the food cleanse in, in January. Well, Chinese New Year usually falls in January and February. And if anyone of you have Chinese friends, you know, it's that, like about two weeks affair where you endlessly eat with your family. We go to each other's home and then just eat and eat and eat and eat. So we, for us, we, it's not so much a cleanse and dieting time. It's kind of packing time more than anything else. But there is a sense of a ritualistic as well, where you yeah. want to cleanse. But what I find you've just said very interesting is that actually the starting point is the natural process of the body is geared up to cleanse. And I think that is actually one of the most important things is that the starting point is that naturally you have in place everything you need in order to cleanse your body. So where does the line come where you actually need to intervene into the system to do a cleanse yourself? And this for me is one of the biggest questions because it, it's it's exactly what you're saying here is that we seem to have all these things. So time of the year and at certain times of the year, you're subject to, let's say, coughs and colds and various accumulations within the system. So in yoga and Ayurveda, we've, we've got special techniques in order to push phlegm out the system. These are cleansing practices that are in place because the system's got to a level where it needs an aid to help the natural process to cleanse. Now, why this, I think, becomes very important is that actually, if the natural process is to cleanse and you've got a symptom that comes in and you and, and remember that actually and the symptom could be anything like it could be, you know, if you think about something like sweating, excessive sweating or not sweating or shaking or twitching or things like regular or irregular bowel movements being affected in particular ways. These are all signs, as you said, that there are issues within the system and it needs to cleanse. It's not working in the way that it should. And I think that is a sign that we need to put something into the system to help it to cleanse, which means we need to go along with the unique constitution of the person's system. And I think that what happens is that a lot of cleansers tend to be very generic. They tend to be sort of all across the board sort of cleanses approach. You know, if you take this or do this, or you do this enema, or you do, because an enema is a form of cleanse, but it's only done in specific situations 
for specific people. It's a tool to actually cleanse. But for the wrong type of constitution applied to a condition, it will actually weaken the system and weaken a person. So I'm just trying to get my head around this idea that we've got that we need to cleanse. And actually, what is it that we're actually doing? What is it that we, what symptoms are we addressing? Because you pose some very interesting questions. You've mentioned symptoms. You've mentioned, you know, everything from sort of almost gas or belching or, you know, we've got hiccups, we've got bloating, this kind of these bloating issues that happen. You've got sort of vomiting. You've got retention in a particular ways, shapes and forms. And in one way, sometimes we're very good, like you say, at doing it into our environment, like with Chinese New Year. There's a sort of a ritual where we go around a house and we go, yeah, I'm really good at cleansing. We remove stuff out, but then we avoid doing something to ourselves or we do something to ourselves because someone else has said, actually, this really worked for me. I think you should try it. And actually, it complicates the situation even more. And I've got someone very interesting at the moment I'm working with who is obsessed with doing different cleanses, taking different um, supplements and additives and different techniques, because there seems to be an issue with the digestive system. But is it the additives and different techniques and supplements that they're constantly doing that is actually aggravating the system and preventing it from cleansing? So for me, around this area, there's lots and lots and lots of very, very interesting things when we're starting to look at people and to look at what's going on and looking at the reasons for actually doing a cleanse you know what are the causes is it like you say something has to be consumed so something is taken into the system that already has a natural process we're taking something in now whether we're taking it in physically like you say in the form of water which is a liquid that we're taking in or is it food that we're taking it in how does that whether it's food or whether it's liquid which is physical Or is it something mental and psychological that we're actually taking in? How is that processed by the system, which has got its natural way of processing things? It takes something in, it looks at it, it makes a decision about what to keep, what to let go of, pushes it all through the system, pushes it out through sweat, pushes it out through feces, pushes it out through urine. It wants to actually remove this stuff out of the system, but sometimes, somehow, some of it is not processed in the right way. It's accumulated or clogging into the system for some reason. And whether that is a physical thing, like with regard to food, and we're told so much about food and told so much about the way that the system is clogged up and we need to keep doing this stuff, or whether it's psychological, which works in exactly the same process, Something is going on. There's an inappropriate consumption in some way, shape and form of which is not a right for our constitution. And sometimes it could be that we're taking a food in, which on its own is amazing for our digestion. But sometimes we take that food in and we combine it with something else and it has the most detrimental effect on us. So I'm working with someone at the moment who is obsessed with mushrooms. And it was very interesting because just by giving them a bit of food journaling, they begin to understand that if they ate a meal without mushrooms, everything was okay. But if they ate the meal with mushrooms, they had a bit of a disaster, but they were obsessed with mushrooms. They didn't want to give the mushrooms up. But by doing the journal, by looking at what was going on, how they took the food in, 
what was happening, the effects afterwards, the cramps that came, suddenly they realized that every time they had this, these issues were occurring. So sometimes we actually need something right in front of us to make us question what it is we're holding on to, or the belief we've got with regard to the food that we're consuming, or the ideas or the things that we're taking in. And so I really like what you said about this, about this kind of it being a natural process. And I also liked it with regard to the fact that actually there are these signs. There are the signs that there's this buildup of toxicity in the system. And I also like the fact that there are going to be some causes that we can identify and we can work with. Does that make sense, Dan? Yeah, what you talked about, the combination of food or what you you taking in as well as the food really resonate because I'm working with someone at the moment who's about 40 years old. Mm. She has been um, on and off on different sort of diets since the age of about 15 because she struggled sometimes with her weight, sometimes with um, sugar consumption and her dental health and her energy level and general mental health well-being as well. And during one of our recent sessions, it was very, very interesting what she shared because it really makes me think of what we're talking about here. She was like, there's almost such a deep connection, but also a lot of memories and a lot of bad memories and relationship with diets because she been told so many things about all these different diets that she have tried. Sometimes just the thought of dieting actually is very triggering for her. So she gave me the example of sugary drinks. So she knows that they are not good for her. As I said, she sometimes had dental issues. So she'll say, okay, you know what? From now on, I'm going to cut it out of my diet completely. But the thought of cutting out sugar drinks and potentially never be able to have any more will trigger her. And she will actually then go have like four times more of the usual consumption during even just for that day. And that will continue for a little bit. And as we're talking about her kind of her behavior and her pattern, I'm saying actually it's not just the food that you're taking in, it's also the emotion that you're taking in with food as well. And I know we talk a lot about this before, I think about two years ago when we talk about dieting or diet, is the emotion that you take in with the food that actually that sometimes maybe the food wasn't that bad or that damaging, but actually the emotions or the the almost there's a bit of shame or guilt or frustration anger whatever kind of almost the negative emotion that you're taking in with it along with it is also almost a little bit harder to process and digest so recently she's trying something called the fuck it diet which essentially means she would just eat anything uh, institute uh, institute um, intuitively sorry intuitively intuitively um, for about three to six months so just to rebalance herself a little bit and she's allowed to eat anything just kind of as you said journal observe and there's no prescription of exactly what you need to eat and what exactly what should avoid and kind of just rebalance the system a little bit so over time maybe you can go back into a diet that's actually right for you because I think we have talked about this before you and I maybe not on the webinar but I did ask the question should everyone cleanse i remember you gave me a specific um answer so i'll let you answer it yourself the reason is my own experience with cleansing and fasting so i think i've shared before i i i don't i, I yeah since growing up i never really been that chubby my bmi has kind of always been normal on the slightly lower side so i never really had the need to go on a diet but a few years ago i gone through kind of some training courses that is yoga themed 
And um, within this training course, what you have to do is like six days a week, you do quite vigorous exercise, hot yoga, flow style, vinyasa style, and with increasing um, frequency and intensity over time, uh, you're encouraged to do more and more meditative practice, you are encouraged to do more reflective, reflective practice that is for yourself and also share amongst other people. But within this training program, you also have a, we also have a three day fruit fast which means you are, we're only allowed to eat fruit. I mm. think blanching is okay, preferably raw. We why? Expand, what, hmm? why? Why? Explain. I have no idea, I have to say. Mm. <laughs> the explanation I was given wasn't that good, but we, we, I, we, we expanded to also allow to have certain vegetables, just no oil, no like intense cooking, like frying or anything like that. I, I've done it twice because I've done the training course twice. The first time I did, I lost a few kilos, which actually for me is quite significant because I don't, my weight doesn't really fluctuate all that much, all that much. So actually just losing it was quite a lot, but it was okay. But I remember the second time round, it was a three day fast. The first day I didn't feel that good. Second day onward, I started coming down with a cold or something. I can't remember what sort of illness, but it basically just mean I have to actually take a break from the program altogether. So I do remember, actually, it may, I may not have been the constitution that is most suited for a fasting type of diet, because I don't think it's, um, hopefully, hopefully it means I don't have that much reserve to lose to begin with. No, no, no. What, what you're saying is very interesting, because it's, I think that what we're coming back to the main question again, which is how toxic does one need to be in order to do a cleanse? And actually, the assumption that we are toxic or there is a toxicity within us is it's inaccurate. It's, it's, it's bullshit basically, because actually what's happening is that it's not the, the prescribed approach in that situation was not the right one for you, the person. And I've come across this again and again and again and again. And there's a whole kind of myth around doing this. I know there are a number of studies out there. So if anyone's listening to this, please look at the different studies that are being done with regard to diets, especially with regard to fasting, whether fasting actually works, especially in the long term. And you'll be surprised at the results. Initial results say, yes, it does work. But long term results say that actually it doesn't do anything with regard to this. Please look up this research. It is out there. Um, so with regard to toxicity i find that and the edge with regard to cleanse is that to stop eating when there's an illness is sometimes a very very good thing to do and i know that to reset a system when the system is very overloaded we start to reduce food completely and utterly and then we start food again from the most basic forms and then build it right way back up again this is a, a technique with regard to bringing nourishment back to the system. So if I give something like with working with something like chemotherapy, um, with chemotherapy, as you know, there's often a difficulty with regard to eating. So what we do is we work often with taste. So in yoga and Ayurveda, we look at different routes with regard to how we help someone that has toxicity within the system. And so it, it's very interesting because they say that foods have different tastes 
not only do they have different tastes, they've actually got different energies with them. So every food has a different taste. It's got a different energy, which can be a heating energy or a cooling energy. And it also has a different effect, a pre-effect, effect on the digestion and post-effect after digestion. So we break down the way that food has an effect, not by eating food groups such as proteins and carbohydrates or eating by scientific content. We actually break it down by the taste. So if I take something like chemotherapy, where there is a difficulty eating, we use a sweet taste and a sweet taste could be something like honey or a sweet taste could be something like rice water you know when you boil rice and you're left with that white kind of water it's very very nourishing very sweet for the system so we use something like this to begin to build some sort of strength back into the system again and so by taking this approach actually we understand the system is very toxic we need to remove everything else because the system is rejecting everything there's this accumulation of all this stuff within the system it doesn't want to eat but we need to start the process to nourish the system again and so I find it very interesting is why we've got a healthy system that actually has a natural process to cleanse itself. And what we do is we put it on a very, very specific diet, uh, uh, you know, for what reason? And I think in some instances, it's very, very good, because if there is a lot of, let's say, accumulation within the system, and especially when you start to look at the tissues of the system, and sometimes there can be a lot of accumulation within the muscle or the fat of the system, a lot of liquid in that area to sometimes put something heating into the system to put something strong into the system to actually force that to move through is a good thing however there's got to be that in place and there has to be the accumulation in place for that to occur and that's my belief and that's what i've seen what do you feel about that well, as a Chinese person, I love congee, which is kind of a really watery rice, though. And we often been told that we should have it when we're unwell as well. So kind of, as you said, slowly reintroducing nourishment into the bodies. Exactly right. And I think the, the evidence that you were talking about how cleanse is it's good, it's effective, but it's usually for a short, short period of time, as I said in the beginning, but it's often very unsustainable, um, is, is a real fact. If you really want to look at evidence, uh, you can look through um, the NIH website, so National Institute of Health, it's the US Department of Health, and they have quite a few good articles on this. But in general, they, they basically just said it's only a small number of studies, I'm reading it off because I have that right in front of me, a small number of studies on detoxification program in people. While some have had positive results on weight and fat loss, insulin resistance and blood pressure, the studies themselves have been of low quality with study design problems, fewer participants or lack of peer review. So it's the evaluation done by other experts to ensure the quality of each of these studies. Mm. A 2015 review concluded that there's no compelling research to support the use of detox diets for weight management or eliminating toxin from the body. Another a review from 2017 said that juicing and tox, uh, detox diet, sorry, detox diet can cause initial weight loss because of the low intake of calories, but they tend to lead to weight gain once the person resumes normal diet. So there has been no study on long-term effects of detoxification program. So again, this is a really re uh, reputable, a really uh, quite authoritative um, research um, body and or yeah, research body that they, okay. this is their conclusion. 
So I find this very interesting because it is, in a way, it sort of it confirms everything that we studied when we studied Ayurveda and we also studied yoga as well, is that we take into account the individual person's constitution. We're looking, we have to understand what are the signs and the symptoms of what's going on. And based on the signs and symptoms, is it that what's happening is there is a clogging or a stagnation or a bloating? Is it that nourishment is being reduced into the system? Is it that functioning of the system is being reduced? And it's because of that, that gives an opportunity for disease to take hold. And if there is an issue, let's say, in some of the tissues within the muscle or within the, the fats of the system, and that tissue becomes defective, it, it affects deeper tissues within the system. So it's a little like if you take all the fats out of your diet, it affects the bones. You know, so it, it, one tissue receives nourishment from another tissue, according to yoga and Ayurveda. So it, when we're doing cleanses, we've got to consider all these different things. We've got to consider where is the toxin, which level and whereabouts is the toxin in place? You know, where is it? What are the reasons that it's in place? Is it that what's happening is the digestive system has a huge issue? What's the cause of these things? Is it that we're combining the wrong foods together? And there are loads of, you know, really simple things that Ayurveda does, which is like, it says, don't drink iced water with your food. I mean, it's so simple, but it's so obvious, you know? And if I need to explain why it's obvious, it, 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 you use this kind of metabolic heat to digest and break down food in the stomach. And if you pour cold water on it, what happens? It affects and disrupts this process. You know, so there's very simple things like this that they put into place. So, you know, they ask people to, to eat slowly. You know, not really slowly, but slowly, you know. They, they, they're very, very sensible. So looking at not combining certain foods together, not taking cold water in, all of these different things which help to build toxins in the system, they're saying these will help to reduce the, the buildup of toxins in the system. So almost this sort of rituals that you come to do are very important. How you clean the body as well, whether you drink in the morning, whether you drink coffee, or whether you drink warm water, there's a real difference within this. You know how coffee affects the system. Again, lots of research on it. Please look it up. If you drink coffee with nothing else, very interesting for the system. You'll discover things about it. It creates little cycles, spirals, and spikes. If you drink just hot, warm water in the morning, it creates something very different. It helps the bowel movement. And bowel movement becomes a very important part of the detoxification process. Okay? Scraping the tongue. Okay? Scraping the tongue. What's on the tongue? Toxins from the night before. Okay, build up an accumulation of toxins, white covering on the coating of the tongue. Scrape it off in the morning before you take anything into the system. Don't rub it in. Don't swallow it. Cleaning the teeth, gargling, cleaning the nose, you know, cleaning the ears, oil application to the body, all helps. You know, these are the sort of things that actually help and prevent the buildup of toxin in the system. They're rituals in order to maintain a healthy system. But then I think the question also comes is where we're back to the original question is we get the line with regard to we've got this toxicity. We find ourselves in a position, a situation, and the situation has particular signs. You know, there's constipation, 
there is something, some aspect that is pushing out the system. So if you think about chemotherapy, what happens in chemotherapy? There is often bowel issues. There's often other issues when they can't eat in the system. You can't take things in. You can't move things out. There's changes in the weight of the system. It's exactly the same. There's some toxins caught within the system. So we need to have some tools. We need to put in place some kind of tools which give us an awareness, an observation of what we're putting in, the effects of what we're putting in, the consequences of this, so we understand how we actually come to do something that creates the toxicity that we need to cleanse. And we need to track the symptoms. We need to work out why these things are happening. And so for me, this is almost the first point is to start to see why these things are going on and also to do checks to confirm it. Because sometimes we actually need to do scientific checks to actually confirm that these things are the case. Rather than us making assumptions, we need to check the case. I've had many, many cases of people coming to me and they said, you know, I've got candida right the way through my system. You know, the whole thing is so toxic. I have to do this, this and this. And I have to do the other. And I'll say, please go and have a medical check. Let's just be really sure on this. And for, you know, I've got parasites. Go and have a medical check. They come back. They cannot find anything. We, we find that there's lots and lots and lots of diagnosis, which are self-diagnosis, that we often need help with. So I think for me, the important thing is to get professional help to ensure that what's happening is that you're really clear with regard to what's going on. And so for me, about the choice of tools is also to be really, really clear on what's happening, because once you know what's happening, then you can do something about it. Um, the other thing that I've discovered a lot within this is that when stuff is going wrong for people, they don't trust their feelings. They actually know a lot about what's happening, but they tend to run around absolutely everywhere trying to deal with it, and it causes a huge disaster. And so they read lots of research, lots of studies. They go all over the place. And actually, they really understand what's going on. So for me, there's, when, when we're looking at tools, we're looking at tools that can reduce inflammation, unblock things. They can come to help things to move again. Not just about flushing the system. It's about bringing the system back to its natural process of where it actually comes to cleanse itself, because that's what you're doing with the cleanse. You're aiding that process. I think that within the physical realm, this is kind of interesting. When we start to look at the psychological realm, Stanford, I think that it becomes even more interesting. And the yoga text, Hatha Yoga Pradipika, gives a very good construct of what's happening in the physical realm. It's actually an Ayurvedic text. It, it talks about Kriyas, different sort of cleansing techniques that can be done if there's a lot of phlegm within the system. You know, it's this Kapalabhati. Very good for breathing technique when there's phlegm in the system. It's telling you if there's a blockage, there's toxins build up, you do this technique. It's very good for digestive fire, very good for unblocking the system. It's so clear. 
Now, then we have another text in yoga called the Yoga Sutra of Patanjali. Beautiful text, and it's for psychological toxin. It's for the buildup of the battle that we have to deal with on a regular basis about why we get into toxic relationships with ourselves and also with other people. And so almost in a way, it provides a route and a key for us to cleanse that toxicity. And that toxicity is a little more interesting. And I really like the example about the kind of almost the two extreme in terms of both physical and psychological behaviors as well. Because in the in the physical realm, like as we're talking, January is usually a time where people go on fast and dry January. And it contrasts with the December time where people are overindulging. So it's the it's the physical side of having all or nothing. And that which actually is a lot of time in a lot of diets. I think, as you said, it's sometimes also how people identify with what is going on within their system is there's sometimes a overemphasis of certain symptoms or certain diagnosis, even though there may not be actual scientific tests or results that is supporting that. And there's sometimes an under under identifying of these symptoms because they intuitively don't we intuitively don't align ourselves with the experience or the feeling of what's going on in the system. And I think, I think, as you said, it, it's kind of trying to not go into either extreme and it's going more and more towards the middle, whereas we are living into our feelings a little bit more and also to kind of just know what we need to do daily rather than just a specific period of time, unless obviously that's the right thing for you to do, that, that, is, a, that is for your constitution. But I, I think I very rarely have seen that those type of people who actually oscillate between indulgence and dieting and actually that works for them that tend not to have a good effect in my experience um but yeah i, I was thinking about that as well when you when you were talking about the different te- cleansing technique in yoga because the, the the time that you've been teaching me i think we rarely come across with these cover i think they usually the six cleansing technique that is in the hatha yoga traditions mm-hmm. and i and, and if you if I read some of the other traditions, they, there seems to be an emphasis that, oh, you need to do this almost like a daily practice where some of them are focusing on the eyes, some of them are focusing on respiratory tracts, digestive tract, both from the top and the bottom. And you need to do this almost like religiously, being taught by your teachers, and then that will be the start of your practice, the other prerequisite. I think some of the time that they say uh, before you can practice pranayama, the, 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 the practice of breath control, the how to modulates the energy within the body but yeah we rarely come across these techniques in or i rarely come across these techniques in your teaching is there a reason yes um firstly the techniques are specifically if there's an imbalance in those systems so like i said with something like kapalabhati it's a kriya it's a cleansing technique but it's it's used specifically as an excess of phlegm within the system Or it's used if what you want to do is increase or work with the digestive fire within the system. But it has to be combined with other techniques. And also when you sort of use something like Jalanetti, where you put salt water into a pot and pour that into one nostril and out the other nostril, is there phlegm within the system? What's the point in doing it if there is no phlegm within the system? But the other interesting thing is that Krishnamacharya was, and and Desikachar was, they were very, very clear that you could 
use or you could get all of the benefits of every cleansing technique through different pranayama techniques. So actually, they dismissed the cleansing techniques and said, please just do pranayama techniques instead. And this is what I found quite interesting um, because I, again, I'd studied some of these careers previous to this, you know, things like, you know, enemas. Now, why would you do an enema? And if you think about what an enema is, is that you're putting liquid. And again, it's a specific liquid. It's a mixture of liquid and oil that you're putting into the colon. And when you understand in Ayurveda that the colon is vata and is the seat of vata within the system, is what you're doing is you're putting oil to pacify the vata. So that's why you're doing it. So there becomes this reason why you start to do these techniques. If there's nothing wrong with the system, why are you putting water into that part of the system? What, you know, are you actually causing more of a problem? So I think that if you constantly are doing these cleaning techniques again and again and again, it's, it's almost like over cleaning your house. If it's clean, you go through it, you vacuum it, you do whatever, on a regular basis, it's okay. But if you're going around it with a toothbrush and you're going around the door with a toothbrush and you're just doing everything really, really intensely because you're told you have to, you know, actually, are you enjoying your body or are you spending most of your time actually cleaning and cleaning and cleaning so you rub away all the animal, all the other bits and pieces that actually hold the whole thing together? And so in certain situations, what you find, and, and Jessica Chow was quite interesting when we were learning about all these techniques and learning this stuff. And he used to tell, tell us a story about this gentleman that came to see him who came to see him had incontinence and he had this incontinence. And so Disco Charles said, well, what practices are you doing? He said, I do a thousand rounds of Kapala Bharti every morning without fail, 1000. And we were always trained, you know, only do three rounds of 20 small gap in between each one, make sure you do another technique afterwards to ensure that you keep the effect of the technique, that it gets the benefit of what it's supposed to do, which is to get this movement into the abdomen, which is very important. The movement in the abdomen is so important. You know, real movement in the abdomen, genuine movement, because the abdomen needs to move. Um, hugely important. And what we discovered and what from observing this and going through this story is that this gentleman was doing a thousand every morning and it was affecting his system so much that he was actually incontinent. And Jessica Chow would tell us story after story after story again and again and again of the misuse of yoga techniques in order to cleanse the system. So don't need to use them. Don't threaten your system. Don't you need, you need to maintain it. You need to protect it. You need to look after it. That's what yoga's tools are there for. They're there to look after you. If you need to cleanse the system, these are what the tools are to cleanse the system. You need to understand what the effects are so that you put the right tool in place. Now, psychologically, it's very different. What's going on in the mind is very different. So, in fact, the toxicity within this case is not just with regard to the use of the tool. The toxicity is with regard to the mind and how the mind is holding on to the idea that it has to do something in a particular way. 
And that is the toxicity. And this is the toxicity that all of us are battling again and again and again. And this is the interesting thing for me about yoga is that it says that there's a number of different things that we're battling. You know, we battle fear. We battle the things that we're holding on to on a regular basis. We battle these ideas and desires that we have, and we battle our own sense of who we think we are. And we battle the things that we don't want to be involved in. And it's those things that are the toxicity that are at the very core of us. And again, this is talked about in Hatha Yoga as well, which I quite like. It's It talks about that all the toxins accumulate within the mula, the root. And it's why we've got this techniques, these techniques of what I call proper banda, like real banda, you know, proper banda. Um, why we've got these techniques of banda, which are done not just as muscle contractions, but are done with pranayama retentions. After you've done pranayama, you learn to use banda techniques and they're there to work with those deep toxins in the system. You know, that deep, deep, deep stuff. And it brings those things to the surface. So as a form of cleanse, that's the purpose of these techniques. But again, they've got to be worked with under the guidance of someone because they bring things to the surface, toxins to the surface that need to be released out the system in a healthy way. Because often what happens is that we don't have the healthy way of actually dealing or processing or expressing things. We default into different mechanisms of doing things. So I'm talking to a lady today and she's dealing with, she's in a mid fifties and she's dealing with a lot of issues with regard to abandonment from her parents when she was very younger, much younger, and also being put down again and again throughout her life. And it's very interesting when you point these things out to her, the patterning that she takes on an everyday basis, which is built on this, she blocks it, sidesteps it, and doesn't actually want to deal with it. And for me, this is a form of toxicity that is ripe for cleansing. So does that, do you see what I mean with regard to? Yeah, I think I really like the um, relationship you describe about using these tools because it's the same in the Western medicine as well. And as you said, enema is it's a good tool that we often use in the hospital, especially if there's chronic constipation, there's yeah. acute constipation, there's obstruction, yeah. we do use enema. But the thing is, is when we, uh, what's the relationship with the tool? When we become reliant upon it or dependent upon it, then that's causing issue because the bowel naturally can move itself. Sometimes there's blockage that you we need to help unblocking. But if we're always you always using things like laxative or enema to help the bowel to move, the body will start adapting in a different way. Also, at the same time, which means that over time you might start losing its natural function or normal function. At the same time, not to mention that using enema regularly actually really disrupt the bacterial flora that is within the um, bowel itself. That is, uh, you know, there are opportunistic and just natural bacteria everywhere. And, but we actually need some of them that's healthy for the body to maintain the nutrition and, um, and the health of the organ. But if we keep putting water into it and irrigating it time and time again. As you said, if you're overcleaning something, it can cause issues. I think the other thing that you talked about, the overcleaning, actually, I think psychologically is quite profound. As you know, I recently went away to Austria for a skiing trip. 
it's one of my first proper skiing trips so naturally brought up a lot of things already because there's a lot of fear a lot of um issues with the unknown but also the environment itself was so clean I can I can only describe it by so clean and pure because the people that I went skiing with they love getting onto the mountain first thing in the morning when there's no one there so it's beautiful really absolutely stunningly beautiful white everywhere especially if the day is clear but when it compare when I compare it with the natural environment that I'm living in or the normal environment that I'm living in, living in which is in London where we are surrounded by loads and lots of people and suddenly I've been dumped into this place where I I'm less familiar with I'm quite alone by myself or just a few friends and family uh with a technique that I don't really know how to do I have no idea how to work a ski I'm slowly getting there but not 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 quite there yet is that it's actually bringing a lot of things and I found that I have to practice very differently both physically and also mentally with my breathing technique as well to to kind of process the things that have been coming up because as you said Colin a lot of things when when the environment suddenly been kind of almost I would describe it as, as overly clean compared to what I'm used to actually I have to learn to practice a very very different way and I think that is a that is the thing about cleanse as well as when you so drastically suddenly change the environment what's been brought up and as you said how then you apply the next technique so you can actually process what's coming up is important well th this this means that there isn't a reverting to fundamentalism because actually at extremism you go to a degree where there is so much disgust for what you believe is dirty you don't really come to terms with it and you sort of become fundamental in various different directions with it I think that I think that it, in in one way, many of us understand when we really look at ourselves, and I'd like to think that because I know that some people actually don't want to look at themselves. But when you do look at yourself, and just kind of go, yeah, you know what, that's it. It worked for me, and up until and I've had this many times where people said you know for the last 30 years I've never had a problem with this until now and I think that sometimes there's that kind of accumulation that gets to a point where actually we realize that something isn't working for us and to understand that it is creating a, a sort of a toxicity within us and to realize that things do need to change is a very important thing but to have the courage to face a number of the causes I think is a huge thing as well a massive thing because sometimes it means that we need to admit something about ourselves like you know sometimes it's just like we eat and make the wrong choices the wrong foods that we take in or the wrong liquids we take in, or the wrong company that we keep or the wrong way that we work with ourselves or the secrets of taking drugs or you know hiding these other things but on the other side of it is that actually if we can aid our body's natural process to cleanse itself not to increase it to an extreme not to restrict it but to get the right rhythm of it so that it works for us in the best possible way in our life 
I think that that's the healthiest approach, I would say, to cleansing. Um, more of a long-term strategy, which is one of an awareness of the different times of year, times of life, different substances we consume, the different way that we process things, to understand genuinely what's caught within us or what we're actually kind of attributing. So I think there's a number of different variables that as we go through our lives gracefully, we can reflect on the different changes that are happening and then apply different techniques and learn different techniques so that the system keeps working in a healthy way to protect and to maintain us through our lives. And if we do need interventions, we use them wisely. We use them wisely to get everything back to where it should be in our life, which is the basis of a, a cleanse, basically. That's my feeling anyway. Yeah, and I, I, I resonate with that where I agree sometimes maybe we, we, we occasionally have the propensity to not wanting to look within ourselves or our relationship with, with others, maybe food, environment or relationship with people. Um, I've, I really like what you said. It, it really reminds me of this concept of spark joy, which is, I think, a concept from decluttering, like physical decluttering of your home. I think it's by a Japanese amazing lady called Marie Kondo, where basically she said, actually, you you gather all your belongings in a certain category in your home, and then you're going to go through them, sorting out things that are repeti repetitive and like no longer necessary. But she also kind of introduced this concept where you she encouraged you to really pick up each item or maybe maybe in some way, as what we're saying, each relationship and see what you're feeling about it. Does it still spark joy within your self? Like, do you still enjoy it? Does it make you happy? Does it make you sad? Does it make you angry like what what's the feeling that you get go um you have with each relationship and I think yes it's a very deep process and maybe quite an exhausting one as well because you know to do that constantly maybe quite a lot but I think it's the encouraging actually to re-examining re sorry what what our relationship with others and then with ourselves is like is going to be very important and it's going to be a long process I think we talked about this quite a few times in other topics where is a, is a constantly changing thing. As time change, as we change, as our practice changes, we need to keep going back to that process again and again and again. And mm. maybe there will be times that it's right to do a bit of cleanse. Maybe there will be uh, for certain constitution, for certain people, a certain time in their life. But maybe actually we need to look at our relationship with cleanse itself. Are we doing the right thing? Are we over relying on it or we becoming dependent on it or we ex expecting something that's realistic from the practice itself exactly this also reminds me of the conversation we had about boundaries and this idea that a boundary isn't kind of like a fixed wall it's a touching point between two things i think this is all very very connected and i think that it, it's it really is these are different facets of our relationship with ourselves and how we internally deal with our existence. Stan, so good to see you. Colin, yes. <laughs> I love how you started with lots of questions. I ended with lots of questions. It's always a good direction to go. It is a good direction to go. So 
I'll look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks' time where we will no doubt revisit something or look at something in a very, very different way. I can't wait to discover what the question is next time we meet. Me too. Thank you all for joining and see you next time. Thank you.